Welcome in 8 by 80 podcast. We are into week number six of the 2022 season. And Smith, let's just kick things off with our pickums because I feel pretty good about how pickums went. <laughs> I do not. So I'm, I'm not a fan so far of this pickum series. I mean, it's been a lot of fun, but this week was bad for me, especially. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take it. Yeah, let's just run through it chronologically. We'll start with the Thursday game because we both got to pretty much watch this entire thing. Brooding Davenport Shickley, they were on the road at Johnson Brock. And, man, this game was awesome. It was so much fun to watch. Final score, BDS 36, Johnson Brock 30. First time I've really gotten to dig in and watch Easton Weber from BDS for a whole game. Haven't seen stats on him throughout the season, but, wow, was he impressive in that one. But... Got a little tight towards the end for BDS, and it probably shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, I walked into the living room telling telling the wife what all was going on and what all I needed to have happen in order to try and pick up this point. And uh, it it wasn't looking good. Let's let's put it that way. And she said it wasn't happening. But Johnson Brock came up with a stop. They got their score that they needed, and then shortly after that, they got their two point. And then I told her all they need is the onside and to go score again. They get the onside with, I think there was like 40 seconds left or something like that, which is more time than they had on their previous drive. And they marched it all the way down to about the 10, 10 or 15 yard line. And I was like, this is going to happen. And I'm jumping up and down in the living room. And then fourth, fourth down comes around and you get the point. So. And the funny just a, thing, just a heartbreaker. Well, and that whole situation even being set up because Weber had just been dominant all game long and BDS is running the clock killing drive where they're just trying to run out the clock and take away the one score win. Well, Weber breaks one loose down the sideline. And if you were yeah. watching the game live, he wasn't even sure if he was, if he should score or if he should just slide to the ground at the five and then they could kneel out the clock. But I mean, it's hard to fight the instinct to he trot he trots in for the easy long touchdown run, and that's and so that sets up the two score difference that Johnson Brock then has the opportunity to get that score, get that onside kick, and still have a chance to try to tie or win that game. And I mean, it was just about the Nick Chubb scenario for Easton mm-hmm. Weber, and that was that was crazy. It was just absolutely crazy to see all those things that are so individually unlikely to happen just statistically and to watch it almost all come together but then Johnson Brock falling short but even with the loss I mean again first time you and I really watched BDS close and it was nice to first time to really really dig into that Johnson Brock team and I came away impressed with both squads yeah for sure I mean uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Easton Weber kind of got a talking to from the coach on hey if we're ever in this situation again just get down we'll take our knees and we'll get out of there um but yeah both teams super impressive um really really i was impressed with johnson brock where it it kind of looked like they were down for the count um and like you were saying that could have lost the game if he would just gone down um but being down two scores uh not giving up coming back uh really impressed by both teams and yeah easton weber uh He's not on our uh, guy, names to know list, but um, that's, pro- that's probably just because we haven't seen stats on him. I mean, watching that game, he took over offensively, defensively. Um, 
really just kind of a playmaker on both sides of the ball. And that that game was a lot of fun to watch, and it's it's gonna be tough to beat that good of a game for sure. Yeah, that was that was elite level football, and that's what you're hoping to see as we wear our way deep into the playoffs. But on the, uh, another game that you talked about, you know, looking like you might be down and out, but then coming back and making a game of it. Well, how about Ainsworth? They knocked off EPPJ. They were down, I think, 36 to 6 or 36 to 8. They will ultimately win that one 52 to 44. And I do feel like we learned some things about Ainsworth and it got some questions answered, Tyler, for them. But it's hard to not headline this game with the injuries that cropped up on the EPPJ side. Yeah, this is this is more more of a loss on the EPPJ side than just the just the L on the the or the one L in their win loss column. Um, lost both Jack Wemhoff, uh, their multi year starting running back. I think he was creeping up on like five thousand career yards. Um, lost him to an ankle injury partway through the second quarter when when he had been dominating. I mean, he had looked really good. Um, 20 carries. Uh, I think he was around 150 yards. Had a couple scores. Um, both sides of the ball, he was kind of taking care of business. And then uh, late in the game, as Ainsworth is starting to mount their comeback, uh, EPPJ also loses their starting quarterback, another senior, Peyton Hofer. To uh, my sources have said it's a dislocated elbow that puts him out six to eight weeks. So there you're, you're losing two two major starters that you've had for multiple years, two senior captains, um, big, big time loss for EPPJ in this one, more than, more than just the win loss column. Yeah, it really was hard to see that go down for the Wolf Pack because again, they were rolling early in this one. It looked like they were going to keep that undefeated season rolling, but injuries are a part of the game, unfortunately. And Ainsworth, I mean, they still showed, I think a lot of grit and a lot of temerity coming back from that kind of deficit. And, we talked about it going into the game last week of, okay, Bulldogs, you've had a, you've really rolled through your schedule thus far this season. You've done a lot of different things. What are you going to do when your back's up against the wall and you, you have got to string together scoring drives? What are you going to lean on? Well, they leaned on snapping the ball to Carter Nelson, and that's kind of a, kind of a hard idea to argue with, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's it's putting your best athlete with the ball in his hands, every play. Um, I think, I think if I was them, I would probably put him outside a little bit more, try and get, try and open up the playbook and get some kind of created touches for him that aren't just snap it to him and see what he can do recess style. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's been working for him. I mean, putting him all over the place and putting him in positions to, to score and win and do what he does best. And, uh, if that means putting him at quarterback when he's a, four-star tight end recruit i mean you, you got to do what you got to do to get these wins and uh really really impressive the way that they came back i mean they never never quit and um you could just sense the momentum shifting um i probably probably about 30 seconds after i texted you thank you for the for the free point in our pick'em series um that that's probably about when the momentum completely shifted so uh sorry elgin this 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 loss is probably on me for a little bit of karma uh but yeah, Ainsworth, um, they got a they got a big matchup coming up this week too with a St. Mary's team that's been rolling, um, kind of a storied program going against the the new guys around the block. So uh, we we caught caught Ainsworth in a good one last week, and I, I think they're going to get a, another good one this week as well. Yeah, everybody kind of had this stretch of the 
Bulldog schedule circled as the, all right, here's the prove it time. And well, test one passed. Another test that went on was uh, Kennesaw. They went on the road to get tested by a tough Lawrence Nelson team. And the Lawrence Nelson Raiders, this one really surprised me when I, I didn't really, I wasn't able to follow or pay too close of attention to it. I just saw the final come across later. And the final was Lawrence Nelson beating what was a top 10 ranked Kennesaw team 46 to 12. Just an absolute dominant performance there by the Raiders. Yeah, and uh, I kind of caught the end of it too. Um, final score, and then I kind of deep dove into some of the stats. And the the thing that really jumped out to me was Lawrence Nelson just kind of shutting down Kennesaw's offense. I mean, this is an offense that was averaging over 34 points per game, um, well over 300 yards a game total total offense, and they held them to it was kind of a bend don't break defense. It looked like because they they gave up just over. 200 yards, but only 12 points. Um, so that tells me they forced forced some turnovers that they needed to, um, which which probably led to more more points on their end. Um, but yeah, Lawrence Nelson really kind of shocked me on this one. Um, I'm not going to take the blame for Kennesaw losing this one because of the pick series. Um, but yeah, Lawrence Nelson, very, very impressive. And I wasn't the only one that's impressed as we'll kind of get into later on in the rankings. So yeah, it was... Uh... It was a big opportunity for Lawrence Nelson. We've been talking for several weeks about how they were just looking for that statement resume win to launch themselves into the top 10, and they certainly got it here. And speaking of statement wins, well, this is the one that saved you from going over on the picks here this week, Tyler. But mm-hmm. we thought they might get a challenge from Wausau. They roll beating the Vikings 47-6. to Yeah, and that, that's a big win for why not to kind of prove that they're, they're, they have, they've played a couple really good teams. I mean, they lost. Um, their only loss was to Howell's Dodge, and you know, you and I both know how high we are on them. I mean, everybody's got them ranked number one, and it's for a reason. I mean, they're extremely solid squad. So this is a good, good statement win for why not. Um, and they they got another tough game next week. They'll they'll travel up here to Bloomfield and uh, face the bees for. What, what I think is a very similar to a playoff matchup. And uh, I think, I think Wausau's schedule, they, they have Bloomfield this week and I, I think they're kind of getting into their, their meat grinder of the schedule. I mean, they had Osmond then you got why not, then you got Bloomfield. I mean, it's, you're, you're getting a glimpse into what playoffs look like early. I mean, this is, you're, you're seeing what, what, what you're going to get here in a couple of weeks come, come playoff time. So, um, but yeah, why not? Super impressive. I mean, uh, we knew their offense could put up points, but the fact that they were able to stop Wausau's offense and hold them down to six points, uh, really, really impressive. Yeah, g- really impressive stuff from why not, like you said. And this feels like a Blue Devils team that will be heard from once we get to the playoffs. So again, our pick'em games, uh, I had BDS and they knocked off Johnson Brock 36 to 30. I also had Ainsworth. They beat EPPJ 52 to 44. I had Lawrence Nelson. They beat Kennesaw 46-12. Tyler had Why Not, who beat Wausau 47-6. So after tying it up in our first week, I take a one-game. I get the two-game lead from that one. So current standings, Tyler trails me three games to five in the pickums. We'll keep the pickums rolling later on as we close out the show. But next up t- today, we kind of we didn't have anybody to tack on to the names to know last week. 
Well, this week I've got two guys that I want to tack on before we get to before we get to our stat line shout outs where we're going to pull another one from as well. But two guys that I'm not putting in the stat lines this week, Kale Gustafson of Osceola and Easton Weber of BDS. Gustafson has been the quarterback for the Bulldogs of Osceola. He's over a thousand yards rushing. This is a team that's just been cruising along. They've got the one loss to St. Francis, but he had to step in for the injured Isaiah Lasney and he has run this offense very, very impressively, Smith. I don't know how much tape you've been able to grab on Osceola, but I've been really impressed with what I've seen Gustafson do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were we were talking about how dominant they were before Selassie came back, and uh, a big part of that is due to Kale Gustafson. Um, I mean, when I watch tape of Osceola, I, I see a lot of speed. Um, they're physical, and then their, their skill position guys are, I mean, they're they're fast. I mean, that's that's the thing that stands up to, out to me on tape. And that was before they got Zelazny back. So so getting him back on the field this past week was big. We'll kind of get into that here in a little bit. But um, that's that's just going to open up more stuff for Kale Gustafson. And I mean, it's weapons on weapons. And he's he's been the main weapon for them. And the major reason why they've been as dominant as they have. Um, they had that one hiccup game. Um, but I mean, they're he. The thing that stands out to me with Gustafson is he's he's fast and a good decision maker at the quarterback spot, and uh, I, I'm glad we finally got him on the list. Yeah, he's not just fast; he's big too. I think he looks like about six three, maybe pushing six four, mm-hmm. and he, and I think he's clear easily clearing two hundred pounds, probably pushing the two ten to two fifteen range. So he's big and he's fast, and he is tough to bring down. Just like the other guy we're adding, we already mentioned him, Easton Weber. We don't have for BDS. We don't have stats on him this season. BDS doesn't have him in max preps there. But get a hold of any BDS tape this season. First off, this team is absolutely rolling, and they're doing it behind Weber. It's either catching the ball or running the ball or just absolutely hawking down ball carriers from a linebacker, defensive back spot. He's all over the field for the Eagles and. Like you mentioned, Tyler, that's that might be the biggest takeaway from that BDS Johnson Brock game that we watched mm-hmm. the entirety of was Easton Weber real. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just straight up football player. I mean, he was doing everything within his power to make sure that they walked away with the win and uh he came away successful with it. I mean, like you said, offense, defense. I mean, he was all over the place and it was clear to see right away that he's a big reason why they've been as successful as they have been. I mean, you don't, you don't have to pull up stats for that. You can just kind of see certain players take over games and that's, that's what he did. And that that's, what's going to get you on this list too. I mean, you don't have to put up absolutely gaudy numbers. I mean, if we can see that you're the guy on a dominant team, I mean, it, and you're able to take over a game the way he did, you you make the list plain and simple. Yeah. Just such an impressive performance. And other impressive performances as now we're going to transition to our stat line shout outs. And we'll start with the guy that we're adding to our names to no list. And that's Wiley Ziegler, the junior tailback from Bloomfield. He had 257 yards and five touchdowns on just seven carries. Now, Tyler, I'm going to let you completely run this because you watched all seven of those carries. <laughs> but my word, that's insane efficiency. Yeah. And I mean, he's. It's not just this game. I mean, he's been hyper efficient all all season. Um, he's he's got an incredible lateral quickness. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that you put him in a phone book and or a phone booth and he'll he'll come back out of it without getting tackled. I mean, he's 
just just shifty is the, the word that we've used for him here in Bloomfield for a while. I mean, he's quick, um, agile. I mean, he's he's tough. He's tough to bring down that way. I mean, most of the times, it's not so, it's not so much like Easton Weber that we were talking about being a physic big physical back. I mean, Wiley isn't afraid to put his shoulder down and run over somebody, but for the most part, people aren't getting hands on him. Like they're they're just grabbing at air when he's. I mean, he's got some some sweet spin moves, sweet juke moves. I mean, he's he's kind of one of those players that you want on a Madden game. I mean, he's just kind of fun fun to use, um, and he's been huge for them in the return game the past few years. And now he's kind of taken over the lead lead running back spot. Um, he's he's been big for Bloomfield's success, and uh, probably hasn't made the the names to know mostly because he's some of these games that he's put up kind of bigger numbers, he's getting pulled fairly early in the game and they're going to that freshman breakout Brock Jonato that we've highlighted in previous weeks. Um, but this, this is one where you kind of, I mean, seven carries, five touchdowns, 257 yards. And he, he had some receiving work too. Um, but just, just dangerous on the field. I mean, a lot of, I mean, if you haven't yet go check out some Bloomfield tapes, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, some, some of these long runs he gets are just, you think he you kind of yell at him to get down and all of a sudden he's running 30 yards down the field so i mean yeah. a lot of fun to watch and i'm glad he's on the list yeah he's just he's been that way since his freshman year he was an electric defensive back and returner as a freshman and now he's just slowly grown into a bigger and bigger role in this offense and you mentioned fun to use i think that's the term that everybody that's designing plays on that bloomfield sideline would use as well not mm-hmm. up the road for our next stat line shout out and that's the quarterback or at least he usually plays quarterback. I saw him line up a tailback sometimes too, but Simon McFarland for Crofton had a heck of a night as they just crushed Homer 82 to 14. He had 144 yards and six touchdowns on 14 carries. Also went five of six for 94 and two passing touchdowns in that big win. And I mean, two weeks ago we got on here and we said, okay, Crofton's defense has been good. Where's the mm-hmm. offense? I, I think we found the offense, Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've said from earlier on in the season that Crofton was going to get some things figured out. I mean, they're transitioning from 11-man to 8-man this year. I mean, it's it's totally different ball game. Um, you got different routes, different eligibilities. I mean, you've got different blocking schemes, different, different everything. And uh, I think they're starting to get some things figured out. And the more impressive part to me for this one is, from what I've been told, they're starting running back who's – also a heck of a player is out with a collarbone injury. And so he was kind of doing this without one of his best weapons. And, um, and maybe, maybe that's what is kind of bringing on this bigger stat line is just a bigger role. I mean, some, sometimes when kids get put stuff put on them where it's, Hey, we got somebody down, you're going to have to do more of the, more of the rushing work or more of the passing work or whatever it is, you're, you're going to have to fill a bigger role. Some, sometimes these kids just kind of rise to the occasion. I, I think that's what Simon McFarland's doing for Crofton. And that's, that's just filling that bigger role. Not to mention, I, I really think they're, they're starting to get things figured out over there in Crofton as far as eight man goes. And um, I, I think the way that their offensive and defensive line can be physical. I, th- I think they're a dangerous team getting closer to playoffs. Yeah. And as you mentioned, getting closer to the playoffs, that's a three and three team now at Crofton. And, They've got themselves in a great position to make the playoffs as well. And our final stat line shout out. And Tyler, we've been so excited just to see this kid get back on the field this year. I'm not sure 
he had to have an insane stat line in a game in his first game back for us to get him on the list. But he went ahead and did it anyway, and that's Isaiah Zelazny. He has he's been the quarterback for the Osceola Bulldogs, but this is his first game back from injury, and it looks like he's going to be uh, running back slash wide receiver for them for the remainder of this season with Gustafson having the breakout year under center. But in his first game back in that new position, he had 12 carries for 280 yards and five touchdowns in a 66 to 36 win over Fullerton. And I mean, like we've talked, we've been waiting, waiting, waiting all year. And boy, did he show out in his first game back. Yeah. And I, I think uh, us waiting and waiting, I, I think it's the same thing for him. I mean, I've seen a couple, a couple different tweets where he's kind of saying he can't wait, can't wait to get back on the field. So um, I think as much as we were waiting, I think he was waiting even harder, uh, just kind of itching to get back. And I actually like this, the way Osceola is using him where they're just kind of plug and play right into that running back spot. I mean, they've had things going really well with Kale Gustafson at quarterback. Um, this just kind of makes it so there's the continuity stays the same offensively and you're just adding a weapon to that offense where there's not much change in cadence and play calling and anything like that. You're just adding a weapon and statistically on, on paper, he might be the fastest weapon in eight man football. So, I mean, that's, I mean, it's big getting, getting him back. And he, he said, Hey, don't forget about me. I'm, I'm still here. And, uh, really excited to watch him and uh, the Osceola Bulldogs the rest of the year. Yeah. And the one thing that kind of stood out to me as I went and watched that game back and to kind of just watch, try to get an eye on how they were using Zelazny, those 12 carries, he didn't, he didn't play all the offensive snaps and I didn't see him out there for a single special teams or defensive snap. So I am, so clearly there was a pitch count for game one coming back for Zelazny. And I think the real question is, does that pitch count go up as the season goes on? Does he get more? Do they get him in out there for more and more plays in the, on the offense? Do they start to maybe even integrate him defensively as well? Because again, a guy with that kind of speed, that kind of experience, he can change any game that he takes the field on. So again, our stat line shout outs for this week. That's Wiley Ziegler of Bloomfield, Simon McFarland of Crofton, and Isaiah Zelazny of Osceola. Last week for our breakout section, we kind of checked in with some of the guys we'd been highlighting throughout the season. Well, this week, Tyler, we had a couple guys pop to the top of the list that needed to get mentioned for the first time this season. And I'll start with Arcadia Loop City. Um, not quite sure on the name for this young man. Last name, Calarose, but... On the Arcadia Loop City um, roster, he's listed as Tice on his on the profile of that individual athlete. When you click into it, he's listed as Tyron. But whatever the name is, we're gonna go ahead and need to learn it because he went off this week in their win over Pleasanton. They won 45 to 28. Colorado's just a freshman. He had 245 yards rushing on 19 carries. At last check, they didn't have any touchdowns from this game inputted into max preps, but I'm going to guess that he had two somewhere in the two to three range for touchdowns. But, I mean, a freshman ripping off 245 yards in a fairly competitive game, that matters. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
it's, it's, yeah, I think you're right with that two to three touchdowns. Um, it, it's almost got to be the way they put up the numbers. And uh, 19 carries for a freshman, I mean, that's that's got to be you, – you just kind of know they're putting it on that kid's shoulders at that point. Um, just ready to carry it, um, which that, that'll be exciting to watch as they kind of get some get some progress going over there in Arcadia Loop City. So ex- exciting to watch watch this young man. Yeah, absolutely going to be exciting to watch somebody who's got that kind of game-breaking potential as he grows up. So that's Tice or Tyron, unfortunately, don't know for sure, Kyle Rose of Arcadia Loop City. Other breakout, and if you're kind of from the north-central, northeast region of the state, this kid may not be a true breakout to you. He's a sophomore, so he's been on the scene, and he's been doing some things both years that he's been in high school, but I thought this performance really warranted a shout-out. Hudson Hoffman, the sophomore tailback for Boyd County, 236 yards on 28 carries, three touchdowns, as he led Boyd County to their first win of the year over Niagara Verdigree, a 30-28 to victory. Yeah, big-time stats in that first win of the year. Uh 20, 28 carries. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's a sophomore, but um, clearly, clearly an up and comer as far as we're, we're concerned, uh, which warrants the breakout here. Uh, three, three touchdowns. I mean, it's there was there was a lot of a lot of points put up in that game against Niagara Verdigree, but um, after after a performance like this, I wouldn't be surprised if their offensive coordinator tries to put more more weight on Hudson's Hudson's shoulders here. Um, kind of sh- shoulder in the load here and get him some more touches. Um, cl- clearly he had the capability against Niagara Verdigree. And uh, if, if it leads to a win in the first or for the first win for him, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of go back to the recipe that's been working. So um, yeah, I, I look for him him to get some more work coming through the season and uh, yeah, hopefully some more wins come, come their way. Yeah. An exciting talent for a team that hopefully is on the rise up there in Spencer. So those are our breakouts for today, and now we're going to get into a newer segment, a segment that we haven't done before. This is an exact, we're not turning over new ground with this idea for a segment or anything, but it's, we're headed, we're through week six, headed into week seven, so it's time to really start thinking about the playoffs, and with that, we have, we've pulled the wild card point rankings for both D1 and D2. Uh, I've sorted them out into... East West for the first round because we do still go East West for the first round. We reseed that one through 16 there for the second round, but I think I got a pretty decent beat on the, on the East West line for both divisions here. But Tyler and I just want to kind of start getting a feel for where the playoff picture sits. Obviously things will change. A lot of shuffling can happen here these last two weeks as your PowerPoints shift just a handful just a handful of tenths of a point that can jump you to several spots in the seating. So obviously this is just as it stands right now. But Smith, when you take a look at it, what stands out to you? Well, I think I think as far as you talk about the shuffling that's that's going to be going on, I think the the big thing that jumped out to me is this whole Ainsworth St. Mary's uh, Elgin Public Pope John matchups, where all all three of those teams play each other. Um, we already know what happened with Ainsworth and uh, EPPJ, but um, them playing Ainsworth taking on St. Mary's this week, and then uh, EPPJ takes on St. Mary's next week. Um, that's that's three extremely solid teams that I think will kind of shift things around depending on 
who can get the wins in those games. I mean, you've got Elgin coming off. I mean, they're going to have to find some new identity on offense and, and defensively losing their, their two seniors. And um, St. Mary's is kind of surging and we, we know what Ainsworth has done so far this season. So that's, that's three teams in, in my mind that are kind of going to shake things up. Um, if, if, if Ainsworth doesn't just kind of run the table here um, tomorrow, tomorrow's matchup between Ainsworth and St. Mary's will be a telltale sign of if anything's going to shuffle or not. But I think that's, that's kind of what I've got my eye on is those three kind of shifting things around down there in D2. Yeah. And I think it really matters because especially in the West, which obviously EPPJ Ainsworth and St. Mary's all would be, I think it really matters in terms of trying to get up into that top eight in the West, getting yourself, getting yourself a little bit, getting a home game for starters and getting yourself a little bit more favorable matchup. Cause what you really don't want to do is stub your toe, stub your toe once here, have yourself drop down even past. If you get down into that, 11 or lower range, then you're talking about having to go on the road to take on a Hitchcock County, a Dundee County Stratton, a Sand Hills Thedford, teams like that. And I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. You don't want to go on the road to take on some of no. those or not teams out in the West, but that district in particular, you've got some teams that have some really exciting players and some really exciting potential that when you look at them, but I think, getting I think jostling for that positioning to make sure you get yourself a favorable first round matchup just to try to get yourself into that final 16 really is going to matter yeah I think it's just those those three teams are have a chance to set themselves up for success um and and really if you're one of these teams you might end up rooting for one of the other teams to kind of help you out in that aspect where you're handing a team a loss like Elgin might be rooting for St. Mary's here to give Ainsworth a loss. I mean, it doesn't help them PowerPoints wise, but district wise, I mean, it kind of helps you out. Um, so yeah, that's those those three matchups are definitely what I've got my eyes on. And like you said, you want to set yourself up for success where you you don't want to go on the road. I mean, a lot of these teams once you're past the first round, I mean, it's it's far far traveling, and some of these schools don't have your fancy charter buses. I mean, they got their plane yellow buses or they might be taking vans or whatever and anybody that has to travel three hours to go play a game i mean you're already at a disadvantage uh whether whether you think you are or not i mean it's just how it is so but um what do, what do you think kind of stood out to you other than these three well first off just to put a bow on that last idea that you just had for instance elgin if they have to travel to dundee county stratton that's a five-hour drive oh. <laughs> brutal so just to just to at that point but honestly what really stood out to me as i broke it down is there traditionally we kind of there always seems to be a perception i think that the east is where all the talent is where all the power resides and that's because of population base you know there's just there's more people on the eastern side of the state but if you break down the top 16 powerpoint teams in d2 this year it's an even split eight and eight between the East and the West, or at least how I have the East and West line drawn, which again, based on where it historically lands, I think I've got pretty dang close and the, and it's actually a little bit easier to draw the line in D two than it is in D one, I think. But I just think that that's very interesting. And obviously it helps when you've got, you know, you've got Hitchcock County, Dundee County, Stratton powerhouses out West. You've, but then I, I think we don't want to overlook, 
teams like Elm Creek and Ainsworth, who right now they're the number five and number seven team overall in D2. And they're both, they combined to win one game between the two <laughs> programs a year ago. And now they're both six and oh. And yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, just two programs coming around and kind of turning the corner like that. And all of a sudden we've got a lot more balanced playoff field. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, that popped out to me pretty quick too. Um, I mean, the, the East, you've got two out of the top five. I mean, you got your Howells Dodge and you got your BDS, which is actually top two out of the five. Um, so your top is very definitive. And then as far as the East goes, once you're past two, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of anybody's game. I mean, nobody's really stood out as being that dominant team. Um, but yeah, the East East has your, your top teams, but that kind of middle filler range is that where that West really shines. I mean, they've got a lot of balance out of the West and um, yeah, like you mentioned it, teams like Elm Creek and Ainsworth that haven't historically been helping the, the West teams kind of make, make their stand per se. I mean, they, they've got a lot of teams in the Western part of the state that are really kind of standing up saying, Hey, East might've been King before, but Hey, pay attention to us. I mean, we're, we're no slouches over here. And them doing that might might get more road games their way instead of going to the east all the time. Um, yeah, so that, to, that it could be huge. I mean, yeah, trying to get those if you can get those higher seeds to where you know you're not you get a top three seed, long as you're winning, you're not going on the road potentially until the state. If you know, even if you're the two or the three, you're not going on the road until at the earliest the semifinal or potentially even the state championship game. So that the ability to potentially get a seed like that, a lot of that hinges on your ability to have opponents that have those high power points as well. And so with a couple of Western districts uh, building themselves out and having a little bit of depth now, I think that's really, really going to help. And it's, I, I know for me personally, and I think just everybody around the state, everybody likes to see that balance. Um, one thing on D1 that really stood out to me, and I mean, it probably isn't a huge thing, and it'll probably get you will probably get some answers to it this week. But Cross County, everybody has them as the number two team poll wise in D1. They're tenth as far as power points go, and that's just I mean, there there isn't a bigger there isn't I I couldn't find a bigger gap between perceived ranking and what the PowerPoints would quote unquote tell us a team is ranked. Well, well, the only answer I have, I have to you for that um, gap is that, I mean, cross County's done w what they could as far as PowerPoints wise goes. I mean, they're, they're outscoring their opponents 394 to 74. I mean, it's not, it's not like they haven't been out there dominating teams. I mean, they, they've, they've put in the work on their end. They, they just, you play who's in front of you. And I think this is kind of what you were talking about in the East versus West, where they're just in an area right now where the teams that they're playing aren't, aren't on their level. And so they're just kind of just having a beat who's in front of them. But the thing about it is they've beat them handily. I mean, these, these games haven't been close. Yeah. They've done nothing to make you question them, but yeah, not get They're not getting any favors from a PowerPoints perspective, certainly. And I just, Honestly, my biggest concern is I agree with the rankings in terms of the quality of this cross-county team. Mm -hmm. As it stands right now, 
they would be they they would probably get a home game to start off the playoffs and then they would probably play two maybe even three games in a row on the road and i feel like that's a really good team that's kind of getting the short end of the stick in terms of having to go on the road that much yeah for sure i mean that's that's crazy to me i mean to me i've i've even got them at two i mean just kind of looking at the tape that i have i mean they're they're good i mean I do, I do think they're gonna they're gonna pick up some power points this week, regardless of if they win or if they lose, because mm-hmm. um, they're taking on Clarkson Lee, who's another top five team. I mean, they're th- this is where they'll earn their points here is this this week. So I think that'll help them. But I mean, the the way the way you kind of look at it, if they're all the way down at ten for power points and they're up at two for your regular rankings with that big a gap, they've 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 kind of got a handle Clarkson Lee. I mean they've as far as power points goes, if you if you want those home games, you're gonna have to not not only win, but you're gonna have to win big against a good team. They and uh just win and they need they need to make sure they need they need Clarkson Lee to finish out that season with that one yeah. So they that's the, this is gonna be the only division one team they have for mm-hmm. power points. So they absolutely they gotta win and they as far if they want to get themselves anywhere close to where they where I think they deserve seating wise they got to win and they've got to and they need Clarkson Lee to come through and finish with that 7 and 1 record so this is their one chance for help but i mean that was kind of further down the rankings but boy up, up at the top i mean it's not even we've been saying it kind of tongue in cheek as we've started off every top 10 so far this this year but i mean you look at the top of those power points and it's it's St. Patrick's, then there's a gap, then there's everybody else. <laughs> yeah. I mean they're they're a full like one I think it's like one point two power yeah. points ahead of everybody else. I mean everybody else is fighting for every decimal point they can get and they're a they're a full full point and a quarter away from everybody. I mean it's it's unreal how, how far up they are. Um that that stood out to me as just we we constantly keep talking about how dominant North Platte St. Pat's is and how how dominant Howell's Dodge has been and how we don't we don't really know if anybody can touch them or not and um you you kind of buy into that I mean it's kind of like in college football where we always talk about like oh Alabama's like they're so far ahead of everybody else and then they go and lose one to like Auburn or Texas A and M or Georgia I mean this where you kind of you kind of buy into the hype of oh man they're so good but even on paper stati- like powerpoints wise they're that good like if if you just follow the numbers it, it it looks like those two are leagues ahead of everybody else and that that stands out to me i mean i mean immediately yeah i mean you talk about the 1.2 a little 1.2 and change powerpoint gap between St. Pat's and the number 2 team Laurel Concord Coleridge that's to get 1.2 points below Laurel Concord Coleridge, you've got to go all the way down. That's the gap that's from number two to number six. Yeah. To get to that gap against. That's how far number one is ahead of number two. And yes, every year you can find holes to poke in this PowerPoint system. It's certainly imperfect, but I think it does a pretty good job here of telling us just how scary St. Pat's is in their first season of eight-man football. And so speaking of St. Pat's, Tyler, unless you've got anything else for the playoffs, I think we might as well just transition over to the top tens. 
Yeah, no, that's that's good good for me. Yep. All right, so we'll head into the top tens, and we'll start with St. Pat's, as always. They knocked off Maxwell 67-16. to 16. They are on bye this week, so they do get a bit of a break after having that zero-week game. Cross County, they're still at number two. They beat Madison 68 to nothing, but we mentioned they finally get their big test this week. They host Clarkson Lee, and we'll get to that in a second because Clarkson Lee is not too much further down in the rankings. Stanton is at number three. They're 6-0. Nice win over Wisner Pilger, 36-16. They host a 2-4 Bancroft Rosalie team, but they're at number four, Tyler. There's our matchup. Yeah, number four, Clarkson Lee, six and zero. They they took down Cedar Bluffs last week, sixty eight to eight, and they they have to go to Cross County to play this one, and um, we'll we'll just let you in on the secret now that this is a pick'em game. I mean, this is this is the game that everybody's had circled on their their calendars. Um, I think it's in the running for, I think it's like Matt, Max Preps game of the week or something like that. Some, I mean, it's it's getting all the hype here. Um, and this this is one that I, I'm super excited for. I mean, we we kind of briefly talked about how dominant Cross County's been. Well, Clarkson Lee's been just as dominant. I mean, they've outscored their opponents 310 to 108. So I mean, they're they've been putting up some some crazy good numbers as well. And a lot of that has to do with Kyle Kasich or Kasich, excuse me, who's who's averaging over 230 total yards a game. Um, this this one's exciting to me, Austin. I mean, this is one that we've been talking about for weeks, where these two teams get get the the test coming in coming into the end of the season. Yeah, and it's it's awesome to finally see it. And I mean, it's so interesting the differences between these two teams. Clarkson Lee, we've got a guy. There's Ky- it's Kyle Kasich. Like that's where it starts. That's the beginning. That's the middle. And that's probably the end. How Kyle Kasich plays and the ability to. Of the, uh, for this team to generate big production for Kyle Kasich. That really tells the story for Clarkson Lee. For Cross County, they've had like 25 guys carry the ball this season. It's insane. They've just been, they've been so multiple. They've been able to do so many different things. And they've got talent. They've got guys that, they've got guys getting recruited to various, lo- various collegiate levels all over the field. But they're, I, they're just we mentioned kind of their schedule making it hard to get a great read on them on top of the those just wonky wonky usages because of that schedule. I really, really like all the talent that Cross County brings to the field, but I don't I I struggle to form in my mind what this team's going to look like in a game of this magnitude against a, an opponent of this caliber. Yeah, I mean, that's. That's the big question is so as physical as cross County's been all year, what happens when they get up against this Clarkson Lee team? Who's also as physical. They're not as big, but they're just as physical as cross County. I mean, they've, they've put up some big, big numbers and uh, they've they've played some solid teams too. I mean, this isn't their first like true test test. I mean, they've, they've had solid games. I mean, they took on Pender earlier in the year and, uh, I mean, to be honest, they they controlled that game from from kickoff and opening kickoff. I mean, that one was one that they dominated. But the the thing about Cross County, they have a fullback slash linebacker Austin, who's a junior that loves to hit people and hit people hard, and he has a neck roll. I love the neck. The neck roll made me so happy when I saw it on tape. <laughs> yes. And that's Isaac Dickey, the junior, 5'10", 205-pound fullback. And from the brief tape that I've gotten to watch, he's he's currently their leading rusher right now, according to Max Preps. 
but I th- I think he actually likes it better when they call run plays when he doesn't have the ball in his hand. I mean, I think he just likes hitting people that much. I mean, that that's how it looks to me. I mean, he looks like somebody that you want at fullback. I mean, he's honestly, it's fun. It's, it's different dynamics. I mean, we talked about Wiley Ziegler being fun to watch because of how elusive he is. This kid wants to be in your grill constantly. I I I, I saw a tape where he had a breakaway run and he went to go to the kid to hit him. I mean, he could have just ran away from him and he just ran straight into him. I mean, he looks like old, old school Nebraska type fullbacks. I mean, granted, it might just be because of the neck roll and that's got a that's got a special place in my heart with fullbacks wearing neck rolls. And I kind of kind of frowned upon it if you're not a good fullback wearing a neck roll. But I mean. Isaac Dickey, I mean, he's earned his neck roll. I mean, I, I, I love it. Love it. Absolutely. If, if you're going to wear a neck roll, you got to hit. Like, yeah. you wear a neck roll. And boy, does Isaac Dickey hit like he deserves to wear a neck roll. Holy crap. It's so fun to watch. But I don't think either of us knows what to make of this game. But we'll have to make no. it this time we get to the pick. <laughs> moving on moving on from Clarkson Lee at number four we've got uh, number five Thayer Central they're six and0 they beat uh Exeter Milligan friend 46 to 14 kind of an impressive win there and they'll actually host a four and two Freeman team uh, moving down to number six you got Laurel Concord Colwards they're six and0 they beat a Wakefield team 48 to 16 and they will be at two and four Hardington Newcastle moving down to number seven you got Neely Oakdale five and one. Uh, they beat Summerland 64 to 36. Uh, they will be at 0 and 6 North Central. And uh, the thing that stands out to me about Neely Oakdale Austin, and that we've we've talked about him, and he's even on our names to know. And that's that's the offensive output for Cooster. I mean, I I didn't realize this going into this past week, but he's actually chasing Scott Frost all time career total yardage record. I mean, he's he's close. I mean, if they make a deep playoff run, he's he's got it. Yeah, I think he's about I think he's roughly 1500 yards or so away. So, I mean, this is a kid that generating 3 to 400 yards of offense in a game really isn't that surprising. Less than 250 really probably means that they didn't have a very good offensive day if Aiden Cooster isn't generating 250 yards of offense. So, you're looking at two two regular season games and then it's how many how many playoff games can they get? Because if they can win two playoff games and get to that third playoff game, then I think the all-time record of, that Scott Frost has, which is 11,095 yards rushing and passing combined, if they can get to a third playoff game, that's when I think it's real. That's when I think we might this this just might happen. Yeah, I mean that's it, it's going to come down to that playoff run, I think, unless he puts up absolutely gaudy numbers in these next two matchups um and from what i've already seen he actually has the eight man career total yardage record because the person that was that i saw in front of him actually played some six man football so some of those stats aren't 100 percent correct i mean this is this is all just kind of up in the air until the season's over and the nsa confirms everything um but from what i've seen he's already got the eight man uh record and and to be honest also i think it'd just be kind of ironic that the same year that Frost gets fired from Nebraska is the same year that his all-time record gets broke. So I'm I'm pulling for <laughs> Neely Oakdale to kind of make a run j- just for the storyline aspect of it. I mean, Cooster's put up crazy numbers, and it, it it'd be awesome to see him get rewarded for it. I mean, that that's that's what I'm rooting for. I mean, deep deep playoff run, Neely Oakdale Warriors. Here we come. Yeah, and don't 
and I mean, don't don't sleep on it. Like if he gets if he gets within 200 yards of the record and just falls short, like that'll be a bummer. But don't let that take away from the insanely special career that this kid is having. Because, again, Aiden Cooster is he's he's one of them guys rounding out our D1 top 10 here. Number eight, Paul Myra. Five and one, they knocked off Johnson County Central 60 to 22. They are at one and five Southern. Elmwood Murdoch, they're five and one. They beat Conestoga 65 to 30. They host a three and three Weeping Water team. Riverside, they had a bye last week and they're coming out of it to face an 0 and six Pleasanton team. And the one kind of receiving votes team this week, that's Ravenna. They took their first loss of the season to Nebraska Christian last week, 27 to 24. And they'll host that Arcadia Loop City team. They sit at two and five that we mentioned earlier. So Ravenna having a couple chances to kind of prove them, prove out that that's what was a Sterling and is still a pretty good five and one record here for the Ravens. Bouncing down to D2. We'll start at the top and get through it quick. That's Howell's Dodge. Really impressive win. They rolled the St. Francis team 44 to eight. They host a three and three win side team. And at number two is a team that we talked about a lot. And this was, again, that was an incredibly impressive game there for BDS. They knocked off Johnson Brock 36 to 30. They're at a two and four Diller Odell team. And I, I mean, is there, all right, here, here's a put you on the spot one, Tyler. Oh boy. BDS in terms of, Re- building their resume to convince you that they're that they're a team with a chance to knock off Howells. Is there anything left that they would have to do or would even be able to do other than get on get the playoff run all the way to the state championship and 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 hang with Howells or beat Howells at some point? Oh man, on on the spot, I think uh, I th- I think you got to win out. Um, I, I mean, obviously you got to win out to to knock off Howells Dodge, but as far as making an argument for it, I mean they just beat a Johnson Brock team that I was high on before going into the game, but I was actually even higher on later on in the game. I mean, that was a really hard fought game that we we've highlighted enough, but I mean, there was really good coaching both sides of the ball or both sides of the, the game, excuse me. And, um, I don't know, man, B, BDS is, it, it was impressive as far as their physicality and, uh, Easton Weber just kind of standing out. I mean, Maybe it's because I haven't watched enough Howells Dodge tape, and I'm just looking at final scores um, and them being so dominant. But it's it's tough to make a case for it, but it's also tough to make a case against it. Um, the, these are two teams that have been dominant. I mean, we've we've been talking about it all season where there's Howells and then there's a gap. But no matter where that gap's at, there's there's always a case to be made. I mean, you can always poke holes in. Any any top team. I mean, you, anybody can have a bad night. Anybody, anybody can have a good night. So, um, yeah. I mean, I I just think, I think it's possible. I I think it's honestly, I think one through. I mean, you could go one through five, one through six, in D two is just in, insanely talented in different ways. Like each team's made differently, and each team's kind of played different teams. And so it's t- it's tough to put them up against each other in that aspect of it. But I mean, yeah, there's there's a case to be made um, for sure. So, um, but yeah, 
I, I would I I think they're deserving of number two. Um, whether or not I can move them to one, that that's remained to be seen. But we'll be keeping an eye on it. Yeah, no, nobody's moving ahead of Howells until somebody actually beats Howells. That's how it yeah. is. It's more of a trying to get a beat on somebody, somebody who can who who we genuinely believe can challenge them. And well, we might have a game out west that might that we might have a challenger emerge from Tyler. Yeah, and, and we're going to find out this week whether or not this is a challenger. And that that's number three, Hitchcock County at 6-0. and um, They're coming off of a forfeit game, and they'll be at 6-0, and uh, Dundee County Stratton. And um, that, that sneak peek, another another pickup game. I mean, you got three versus five. I mean, it's we're not going to pass these up. I mean, these are top, top games. And where I was just saying before, you could go anywhere from two to six or two to seven in these rankings and say they're just as good as anybody else. This this is where you find out. I mean, if one 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 of these teams is lopsided, you're gonna know who's a contender to Howell's Dodge and who isn't. I mean, this is this is as good as it gets until you're a couple rounds into playoffs. Yeah, this is an insanely awesome game and. Frankly, I think you and I have been talking about this one since about week three, where, okay, here's Hitchcock County's schedule. Here's, here's Dundee County Stratton's schedule. Hitchcock County notched that, that huge win over Sandhills Thedford, and since then we've just kind of been sitting on our hands waiting for this one because this is going to tell us who's the best in the West. It's not going to be a question after this one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is... I, I kind of talked about earlier how dominant Cross County was. Well, guess what? Hitchcock County has outscored their opponents 300 to 40. And one and one of those games was a 2-0 to zero forfeit victory. Yeah, so you're I mean, just dominance. That's insane. Just absolutely unreal. And these are both these are both quarterback run game, run centric. It's Corbin Horner for Dundee County Stratton. He'll do most of his work out of the gun. Keenan Gaston. For Hitchcock County, he'll they'll do that quarterback run game from under center a little bit more, and it's just a very this ah, this is going to be interesting, and I mm-hmm. don't we're going to do with this one when we get to Pickums either. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I mean, this is honestly, I think these two are matched up the best. I mean, they have very similar play styles, very similar players. I mean, this is this is one that it, it's going to come down to who wants it more, uh, the coaching. And turnovers, honestly, I think that's going to be the biggest part. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for, excited for when we get to the pickups for that one. But moving down the list, you got number four Bloomfield, the hometown bees, at six and zero. They beat Creighton fifty six to twelve, and they'll host uh, four and two Wausau. And we we highlighted and put Wiley Ziegler on our names to know, but they've also got a guy on the defensive side that's he's chasing history, honestly, and that's Casey Jonato. He's uh at currently chasing the punt blocks in a season record um he's currently got five and uh he needs seven in order to tie it um and that's by nathan i'll probably butcher this last name but i want to say it's findies from johnson brock and that was clear back in 2001 so this is a record that hasn't been broke for a little bit um and i i didn't realize how close he was until he blocked one against creighton and i kind of curiosity killed the cat where i was on my phone at halftime looking it up and um i actually talked to somebody that's on the bloomfield coaching staff and they said they actually held him off in one of their other games because they wanted to work on a punt return and i said well i really wish you wouldn't have done that because i really like talking about records so um maybe don't do that anymore <laughs> you got a kid that can get his name on 
state record and one that stood for 21 years. So if he can get it on there, it's probably going to hang around for a while. So I, yeah, they've got two games left plus potentially the playoff game. So be really fun to see if Jonathan can get that done for sure. Um, moving on down the line, you got number five, Dundee County Stratton. We've already kind of highlighted them. They're six and zero. They beat a Loomis team 52 to zero and they'll host Hitchcock County. And, uh, Moving down the line again, you've got number six, Ainsworth. They crack, finally cracked the top ten in the consensus rankings, making a big jump. Uh, they're 6-0. and They beat Elgin Public Pope John that we already kind of talked about earlier. And they're at number or at 5-1 and one, St. Mary's. And to be honest, I we talked about it in the playoff picture kind of, but this is, this is a huge game for Ainsworth and for St. Mary's. I mean, this is one where – you win and you're setting yourself up for success. I mean, your, your fate is in your hands at this point. Yeah, it's, I'm lucky because this game kicks off at two 30 tomorrow afternoon. So I'm just going to take a late lunch and it's literally, it's about <laughs> lucky. Yeah, like three, it's like three blocks for me to go over to see the, to see the first half of this game. So super stoked for that, because like you said, I think this is just, this is a really important game for for Ainsworth. This that Elgin game last week and the St. Mary's game this week. Everybody looked at those two games and said these are the ones where you prove it. And they won the first one. Can they win this one? And can they secure those high level those high level power points? They're already up. They're already up there, flirting with that top five, six, seven range in power points. They get another good win here. Anybody around them kind of stubs their toe, and all of a sudden this could be a top five or better seed in class D two for Ainsworth, which for a program that has literally never won a playoff game would be insane. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that that's kind of crazy to think about never winning a playoff game. And uh, now you've got a chance to be a home team for multiple games. If you can keep, keep the ball rolling here. Um, yeah. Big, big time game, both programs. Um, I'm, I'm really jealous that you kind of get to sneak away. I mean, I got, I got off early today, so I can't complain too much, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. You'll be able to get to sneak away and catch this game live. Um, that's always, always more enjoyable than watching it on strive or YouTube or whatever, but we take whatever we can get. And, uh, yeah, that's that number six Ainsworth team. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And, uh, moving down the line, you got number seven, uh, that's the team that they knocked off last week. And that's Elgin, Elgin public Pope John. They're five and one now, um, they'll, they'll be, uh, going against Niagara Verdigree, who's one in five, it'd be a nice home game for them. And to, to me, this one is, uh, kind of a find, find your identity type game. I mean, you've got to replace an all state running back in, uh, Jack Wemhoff, who's got the ankle injury. You got to replace your multiple year starter in Peyton Hofer, which if it's any, any indication, of the end of that Ainsworth game. That'll actually be his younger brother, Kellen Hofer taking over the snaps under center. Um, but I think this is just a big one for EPPJ to figure out where do you go from here? And uh, how do we kind of fix the, fix the Rocky ship here? Yeah. And I think on the, for the carries, I think you're going to see Kale Kinney who has mm -hmm. been Early playing fullback, but I'm sure he'll be a lot, spend a lot more time at tailback now. And Austin Good, those are going to be your two main ball carriers. Like you mentioned, Kellen Hofer is going to step in at quarterback, taking over for his brother. His brother, a four-year starter. He's a sophomore, got his first real action last week against Ainsworth. And it just 
that's not a situation, a kid coming in in a situation like that where your older brother's been injured, you're taking over in a game that's tight as tight can be, on the road, really tough opponent. I don't want to, I'm not going to take any, I'm not going to look at anything that Kellen Hofer did in that game and try to draw any conclusions as to what he's going to look like when he's had a full week as the starter, when they've had a chance to really kind of try to build the offense, build the offense to how they want it to look. Yeah, for sure. I'm not, I'm not taking anything that happened in that Ainsworth game away going into this, this week or even the rest of the season for EPPJ. I mean, it's going to be a totally different team. It's going to look completely different. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to fault Kellen for, for how that game ended. I mean, he, he threw a couple, a couple good throws, um, for a team that usually doesn't like to throw. I mean, they have a they have a pretty good weapon in uh, Blake Hen at tight end. I mean, speedster, great big, uh, physical kind of guy. And um, but yeah, I, I don't fault Kellen Kellen Hofer at all for that. I mean, not not only are you taking taking over for your brother who um, got hurt, but he actually left the game in an ambulance. So so I mean, you've got I mean these are these are kids. I mean, you've got a sophomore in high school watching his older brother get taken off in an ambulance. I mean, you don't, you don't know what's going on. Um, and you're just kind of getting thrown into a, a, a top 10 matchup and at, expected to try and go out there and win it. And, um, gave, gave it a heck of an effort. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see how they kind of piece things together and kind of get, I mean, like I said, it's going to be a totally new identity. And I, I think they're, they're excited for, kind of kind of to see that you're moving away from your seniors a year early and and uh who who knows i mean it, it, you could be explosive once you kind of give these young young kids a chance i mean we've talked about a lot of breakouts for these young guys in the area i mean wh- who's to say one of these these two guys or three guys filling into roles is it going to take off like like wemhoff or hofer did before so um yeah pretty exciting one for me i guess yeah, just it'll be a really interesting learning moment for what this EPPJ team is going to look like going forward. Uh, rounding out the top 10, eight, there's Lawrence Nelson. They're finally checking into the top 10, five and one off of that 46 to 12 win over Kennesaw. They're at a one and five Silver Lake team. Johnson Brock still hanging out five and one. No shame in that 36 to 30 loss to BDS. They are at a four and two Sacred Heart team. And I think we'll probably get into that one a little bit later. Sandhills Thedford still 10th. They knocked off Anselmo Myrna 49 to 8, and they host a 3 and 3 Layton team this this week. But I do want to mention for Sandhills Thedford, it was interesting. It was a tweet from their quarterback, sophomore quarterback Kyle Cox, who set who tweeted out some huddle highlights and said Sandhills Thedford has a passing offense now. <laughs> It was interesting because he's gone off passing in these last two games. We had him in a stat line last week. I think he threw for seven touchdowns. I don't remember the yardage, but over these last two games, he's over 500 yards. He's at 13 touchdowns passing. Like those are insane back-to-back passing numbers. But you know, two what two games do not a passing offense make? So I went in, kind of looked at just just some real quick kind of high-level stuff for Sandhills Thedford historically going back the last the last four years plus this year. So just looking at, I pulled up just their overall team stats just to get a feel for their run to pass ratio. And I think last year, I think they were, I believe they were 
four to one last four to one run to pass last year. Two years ago, I think they were eight to one. The year prior, six to one. The year prior to that, five to one. So this is a team that you know anywhere from four to runs the ball anywhere from four to eight times as many times as they do pass it. Well, this year it's a two to one. They're they're running the ball just twice as many times as they've thrown it. And actually, in this last game against Anselmo Myrna, they threw the ball more times than they ran it. And so that's it. It's not just a kid tweeting out his own stats and hyping himself up. I mean, it is that because his stats weren't getting hyped because it's <laughs> awesome. But it also it was an interesting way to be signal to get the signal of, oh, this is. This is a team that we're used to still winning a lot of games, but they're doing it differently. Yeah, which which I really like. I mean, I like teams that are balanced. I mean, you see a lot of these eight-man teams that it, it they're either extremely pass-heavy or they're extremely run-heavy. You usually don't see ex- extreme balance of a 50-50 split. I mean, you usually see your your four-to-ones, whether it's passing or, or rushing as your heavy end. Um, but that that's a good thing for San Hill Stedford to be more balanced because a lot of these teams, if if you can't run the ball and you get down, I mean, you're in trouble. Like if you don't have different weapons and different play calls and different styles, I mean, you could be in a lot of trouble. So um, I'm, I'm kind of glad that he shot that out because I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that as much um, as far as them being more balanced than they have in previous years. I mean, I, I've always thought of them as a run run heavy team, um, so it's, it's nice to see them kind of moving towards more of a balanced attack and, uh, it's been paying off for them. Um, like you said, um, kept them in that 10 spot. So, uh, moving on down to our teams that are receiving votes and that's Osceola. Um, they beat Fullerton 66 to 36. They'll host a three and three high plains team. Um, then you've got why not still down there receiving votes. They beat a Wausau team handily 47 to six. They'll host a three and three Osmond team. That's kind of picking up some steam and getting healthy. So that'll be a one to keep an eye on. Uh, another receiving votes team is Elm Creek. They beat Overton 50 to 14 and they'll host five and one twin loof. We'll also kind of get into that one in here in a little bit and falls city sacred heart rounding out our reserve or receiving votes, excuse me, teams. And, uh, they beat HTRS 72 to 22 and they'll host a five and one Johnson Brock team, which we'll also get into later. Yeah. Let's just, let's get into it. We, we teased enough of these games throughout those top 10. So Tyler, guess what? I am on top. So I get the first pick for the pick draft this week. And with that pick, I'm going to take Hitchcock County. They're I going to knew it. On the road against Dundee County. Listen, man, I I went back and forth on this one, but I'm 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 rolling with Hitchcock County here. This is going to be, this is absolutely going to be an ab, a blast of a game. So I hope I get a get an opportunity to watch it a little bit. Of Dundee County Stratton usually has a pretty solid strive stream up. So if I have the time, hopefully I can sit down and turn it on because this thing should be an absolute knockdown dragout fight. Yeah, and I was actually going to take Hitchcock County. I mean, we've got we've got some very distant cousins that actually have have a cousin on the team. So I was kind of looking forward to pick, sticking with the family there. And uh, they're also coming off of a bye. So, I mean, you know they've had an extra week to prepare for this game. But um, either, either way, I don't think you can really go wrong in picking this game. I mean, uh, 
Dundee County Stratton, they also got a, a two to zero forfeit and they're out outscoring their opponents 268 to 55. So as, as dominant as I mentioned Hitchcock County being Dundee County Stratton's they're in the same boat. I mean, they've played a lot of the same teams. Um, they're, they're averaging over 300 yards rushing per game. I mean, it's, this is going to be a ground and pound DCS team and, uh, I'm excited. It's going to, it's going to be a, a good one. So I'll, I'll gladly take DCS and, uh, yeah, Corbin Horner, I mean, he's got over two, 22 total touchdowns on the season and uh, absolute weapon. I mean, these are two teams that are evenly matched, even even play styles. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think neither person could go wrong picking this one. Um, but, yeah, so now I'll move on down, and I'm going to take somebody that I've been pretty high on all since since they kind of got on my radar, and that's Cross County. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my pick. Pick number two, Cross County. I, I you can't go wrong with that in second round. I mean, follow, follow the votes. I mean, even with the schedule that they've played, that it's a little bit lackluster. Look at where they're still ranked by everybody. They're the, the everybody. Everybody has the Cross County Cougars at number two, and I, it, it's it's hard to pick against them. But I I don't feel bad. Riding with Kyle Kasich and Clarkson Lee, like this is a team that if, if you're gonna, if you, it feels it feels like they're coming in as a pretty definitive underdog here, but I think this, I mean, home dogs that with a lot a lot of fight, this could be. I I don't think they'd win in as dramatic of a fashion, but I mean, we saw Lawrence Nelson knock off a top uh, highly ranked team as a home dog last week, I would not be shocked to see Clarkson Lee do the same thing. So I'll go ahead and roll with the Patriots. I'm fine with that. So that leaves me up now. This is my second pick. Oh, I'm going to get a little frisky here and I don't know. And I I think I'm going to, I think I'm taking a team that you wouldn't take, but I'm going to take, I'm gonna take Sacred Heart to not. <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't. You don't think I was gonna take him, but I actually had him circled that I was ah, gonna take him. You were going contrarian too. Ah. Yep, yep. I was going going off of that one, but uh, no, I'm I'm perfectly happy. I mean, this is another one. I I don't think we can go wrong. I mean, I I shouldn't say we can't go wrong. I mean, I've clearly been wrong the previous weeks. Yeah, somebody's gonna be wrong. I mean, there's, there's, this isn't the NFL where we're gonna have ties where we aren't gonna be wrong. Um, and it clearly, I've been wrong more than you. So um, that's the only time I'm ever gonna say that. Um, but yeah, I, I love the fact that I get Johnson Brock out of this Sloan Pelican. I mean, he's, he's been lighting it up this season, and we've highlighted him a couple times. And uh, he looked really good in that, in that game last week. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly good with. Johnson Brock. Yeah, just and was my sacred heart pick of I really am just at the point with the Shamrocks where I'm looking at them as I still think this is a really, really good team. And just they've played a heck of a schedule and I feel like at some point they're gonna get they might they're gonna get a signature win. And so I so I'm gonna roll with them this week. And that just leaves one game, one game left here, Tyler, and and leaves me questioning with our final picking game. Are you gonna follow your heart? Well, before before I make that next pick, I wanna I wanna point out the fact that 
You took up a te- you took a team that gave up 95 points in week one to an explosive Johnson Brock offense. So I did. I, just I, just I, keep I, that in mind. I know what it took. I know, okay. what, the, I know what Sacred Heart is. Well, I'm gonna go. Oh man, this is this is a tough one. This is one that I didn't didn't want to have to pick because there. This is another super even even matchup. But I'm I'm gonna stick with the the team that struggled last year and has been on a roll this year, and that that's the Elm Creek Buffaloes. I'll I'll take them over Twin Loop. And this is the I mean Elm Creek. They're the they're the big story. They're getting the top ten votes. That's the winless to undefeated Twin Loop. They've got the one loss to Sandhill Stedford, but. They've looked pretty good as Twin Loops look pretty good as well, and I they're they're really kind of surging back. I think they might have only won one game a year ago, and so they're going to go from. I mean, if they could win this game, they're potentially looking at going from one win to one loss, and even going from one one win to six wins is a heck of a jump there. And I, this is this was a I I really enjoyed this line of pick em, lineup of pick'em games that we had Tyler because. I could really make a strong argument for all all eight of these teams to potentially come out on top and feel really dang good about it. Oh, absolutely. This is this is one where picking them you don't you don't feel like you, you could go wrong uh, until you see the final scores come come Friday night. Then then you're like, wait a minute, I did I did go wrong. I mean, I I felt that last week where the wheels just kind of came off. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to to see how these how these eight teams kind of play out and uh hopefully i can get a couple of games back on you this week to make make the picks even um like like we talked about last week if if you guys want to play along on these pick em games i mean shoot us a dm on twitter um facebook messages on facebook i mean that's eight by 80 uh the word buy in between there uh podcast um play along i mean it's a lot of fun we've had we had some people check in um I, I know somebody who actually did worse than me. They went 0 for 4. I also know I also know somebody who went 1 for 4, so, or 1 for 3, or 1 and 3, excuse me. Um, but no, we're having a lot of fun with these pick em games, and uh, it's, it's something we kind of want to get other people involved and see see who's got some knowledge in this 8-man chaos. So feel free to send us that or your, your breakouts, stat lines, whatever you guys feel like we're missing or you want to be a part of, just just shoot us some messages. I mean, we, we love it. Yeah. All right. Well, brother, if these episodes get much longer on us, we're going to have to start doing two a week. <laughs> yep. I, I think so. I think, I think that's going to, going to have <laughs> these, to get there. These are getting out of hand, but we got a lot to talk about, or at least we got a lot that we want to say. I don't know if anybody wants to listen to it, but we got a lot to say. And so we, maybe, maybe we look at it, but, we are certainly looking at once we get towards playoff time, ramping it up, maybe knocking out two episodes a week to try to keep up with all the playoff action and dive as deep into those games as we can, break up those episodes so we can go a little bit deeper. Because as you can see with this one, as we're well past the hour mark, that we we want to be able to go as deep into these games and talk about as many players, as many teams, as many kids as we possibly can because... I mean, we started a podcast about it. Eight-man football in Nebraska is an absolute blast. But like Tyler said, make sure you're following us on Twitter, following us on Facebook. If you got ideas, questions, want to just chat about it, DM us, message us, shoot us an email, 8x80podcast at yahoo.com. Wherever you're listening to us, make sure you're 
clicking that subscribe or follow button, hitting that five-star review up. That's the best way that you can help any podcast that you listen to get more notoriety. But, I mean, I mean we're already at an hour 15. Tyler, you got anything else you want to throw in? No, other than thanks to everybody who's been supporting so far. Uh, it's been a it's been an awesome ride, and uh, can't wait to see how the season ends and uh, excited to get into playoff time. Yes, we are. So, again, this has been week six of the 8x80 podcast.